Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. This is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. We welcome you to our Bible study again today. It's great to be with our listeners on a daily basis, Monday through Friday, to dig into God's Word, get deeper into those teachings, and in a more detailed study of just what what God wants to communicate to us through His Word. The Scriptures are so rich with instruction, teaching, promises, warnings, yes, but also great blessings and hope. The Bible is the greatest book that has ever been written for mankind. And of course, it is that because it comes from God himself. God guided the writers to write it as he wanted them to write it, guided them, the scriptures tells us, through inspiration, 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. And when you look in the Greek, the original language, when it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God, more literally, that understanding is it is God-breathed. In other words, his very word. He guided the writers to write what he wanted them to write through the Holy Spirit. Well, what a great book we have to guide us in our daily life, throughout life, and all the way to eternal life in heaven. We are glad that people want to learn more, and we are so thankful that God has blessed us with the ability, the means, and the opportunity through the medium of radio to be able to reach out to so many people on such a widespread basis and on such a continual and consistent basis. Now, we want to encourage you to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com, and encourage everybody you know to do so as well. If you cannot always tune in to search the scriptures at the times that it is being broadcast, and it is broadcast several times a day, then we encourage you to go to the website, click on the listen button at the top of the home page, and sign up for our podcasting. It is free. It will always be free. We're not after your wallet. We want to help you get to heaven. When you sign up for our podcasting, you will automatically receive to your smart device, whichever one you choose, your smartphone, computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever it might be, you'll automatically receive our radio program, Search the Scriptures, every day, Monday through Friday. And then you can download it and listen to it whenever you have the opportunity. And you can share it with others as well. Now, you'll also receive a really great short daily Bible study gets us into God's Word seven days a week, Monday through Sunday, for about 13 minutes each day. Short time, but that keeps us in God's Word, and that's called today's Bible class. You can also re- you will also receive a Sunday morning Bible class, a Wednesday night Bible class, and all of our sermons. And our sermons are now posted in audio and in video format as well as audio format, and all of that is free. While on our website, you can actually download and listen to hundreds of sermons, and you can download and read and study through hundreds of biblically-based and spiritually-focused articles. All of that is there, again, free, and always will be free, tremendous Bible study resource material to help you in your faith and in your walk with God, to help you get to heaven. We hope you'll take, care, you'll take advantage of it. Now, if you're in the Omaha area, come and visit with us, study with us, worship with us, grow spiritually with us in person at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. 
Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street in Omaha. And Bible classes begin at 9.30 every Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30, and midweek Bible classes at 6.30 each Wednesday evening. You're welcome to any and all of our services. We hope to see you soon. Come check us out. And again, grow spiritually with us. Now, if you would like to receive a copy of today's program on CD, or if you would like to receive a Bible study that we send out through the postal mail, then contact us again at our website, churchofchrist.com. Click on the email link, or you can call us at 402-498-8397. We'd love to hear from you. We're going to get back into our study And we are in another section of this longer series that we're in which we're talking about the existence of God, the reasonableness, the logical reasoning to point to believing in God. Now, a lot of people, they have thrown up their hands and they say, I don't believe in God. Well, if you don't believe in God, you certainly don't believe in the Bible. But why do you not believe in God? Now, some people have personal reasons. A lot of people have decided from what I have read repeatedly to not believe in God because not believing in God in their mind opens them up to all kinds of, well, immorality. They can do whatever they want to do and feel okay about it, not have their conscience bothered, having to think about, is this right or wrong? Is this moral or immoral? In the first couple of sections that we looked at in this series, we talked about goodness. For goodness to exist, there has to be a basic standard of goodness, one that is reliable, one that you can have confidence in, and that is consistent. When you take God out of the picture, if you don't believe in God, there is no standard, no such standard of goodness, because it's up in the air. It's just a matter of what everyone individually thinks at that given moment, and their opinion can change with the wind and does change with the wind. It's not a matter of society or culture or government structure because, again, all that's tied to humanity and opinions and views and all of that change on a regular and frequent basis. So without God, there is no consistent standard for goodness. Since goodness exists and goodness is recognized by virtually everyone, then that is logical reasoning to point to the existence of God. Another section we looked at talked about, it talked about morality. Is there morality? Is there such a thing as morality? Is there such a thing as immorality? Well, just about everybody would say yes to both questions. Okay. For morality to exist, there has to be a moral law giver. Now, just as with goodness, that cannot be left up to human human beings because everyone has their own opinions as to what is moral or immoral left on their own. It cannot be up to culture or society or governmental standards because, again, all that changes with the human mind. What do I think today? What do I think in this generation? But the fact that there is basic, consistent morality 
that is basically recognized by virtually everybody means there has to be a moral lawgiver, an authoritative moral lawgiver, and that moral lawgiver is God. So again, logical reasoning on the basis of goodness existing, basic goodness existing and being recognized as such by virtually all of humanity means there has to be a standard for a consistent standard for goodness. That's God. Take God out of the picture, you can't explain goodness. You can't even define it. The best definition for goodness is God. Same thing with morality. You take God out of the picture, there is no moral law giver that you can hang your hat on, that you can look at and feel comfortable with on a consistent basis. God is the moral law giver. From logical reasoning, both of these points of understanding point to the existence of God. In fact, through logical reason, reasoning, they demand belief in God. In this particular section, which we're currently looking at, we're talking about Bible facts, facts that are brought out in the scriptures hundreds and hundreds or perhaps even thousands of years before we as human beings figured them out. But they're right there in the scriptures. Now, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 21, prove all things. The scriptures themselves are very open and straightforward in declaring themselves to be the truth of God's word. In fact, to be truth itself. But they also invite, encourage, instruct, examination. Check us out. As the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, study, be diligent to present yourself approved unto God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And Jesus says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John chapter 8 and verse 32. And he identifies that truth as being God's word in John chapter 17 and verse 17. God's word is truth itself because it is God's word. Prove all things. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 21. We noted in Job chapter 26 and verse 7. The statement says, he that is God stretches out, the nor- stretches out the north over empty space. He hangs the earth on nothing. And so there is the imagery of space, of the universe. And the earth hanging on nothing? That was not believed for thousands of years after this was written in Job. Remember that Job may be the very earliest book of the Bible. Ancient, very ancient in its origin. And here it already is talking about the earth hanging on nothing. But common ancient belief was the earth was held up by the Greek god Atlas, lowercase g in God there. Of course, there was no and is no god Atlas. It's all mythology. But that was a commonly held belief in ancient days. The earth was held up on the shoulders of this 
of this Greek god Atlas. Now, nobody could see Atlas, <laughs> uh, but they believed that. Another common ancient belief was that the earth was supported by four elephants standing on the back of a giant turtle. You might wonder, where in the world did they come up with that belief? But that was a commonly held belief also. Again, nobody could see the giant elephants. Nobody could see the giant turtle. But that was a common belief. But right there in the book of Job, ancient, very ancient writing, we're told that God stretched out the north over the empty space. There's the universe. He, he hangs the earth on nothing. Well, we finally figured that out, that the earth is that ball hanging in the universe, positioned in its place through the forces of the universe around it. Took us thousands of years to figure that out. But it's right there in that ancient writing of Job. In verse 8, Job chapter 26, he binds up the water in his thick clouds, yet the clouds are not broken under it. And so there's the hydrologic cycle, as we noted. And when we read Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 7 goes along with what we read and or really kind of reinforces what we read in Job chapter 26 and verse 8. And so here the wise man wrote, All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place from which the rivers come, there they return again. And so we're talking about a pretty good description of the hydrologic cycle. How the waters in the sea evaporate into the atmosphere, rain clouds form, and then rain upon the earth and replenish the waters of the rivers that continually run, through, run into the sea. So you've got the rivers running into the sea. Now you say, wait a minute, I know this river, it doesn't run into the sea, it runs into this other river. Now you trace it down, and eventually the rivers run into the sea. And so, but the sea does not fill up. It does not get deeper and deeper and deeper, and eventually, well, we would look, if that were the case, it would cover the whole dry land of the earth, probably, pretty much by now, but it does not. It stays at its basic levels, why? Because the waters in the sea then evaporate, form rain clouds, and then that rains down upon the earth and replenishes the waters in the rivers that run into the sea. And so it's a perfect reinforcing cycle, hydrologic cycle that goes all the time. We didn't figure that out for a whole long time after it was written right there in Job chapter 26. How do you explain these facts of science, these facts of nature, having been written hundreds and hundreds, or even in some cases thousands of years, before we came to understand them? But it's right there in Scripture. How? The answer? God. God guided the writers to put them there. God is the one who created the hydrologic cycle. God is the one who created the universe. We look again in Job chapter 26, verse 10 this time. He, that is God, drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters 
at the boundary of light and darkness. He might say a circular horizon, a circular horizon on the face of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. You might scratch your head a little bit there and wonder just how can how should I understand that? Well, he's talking he, he's laying out a reference there to the earth being round, not flat, as was the common belief for thousands of years after this was written. In Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah chapter 40, we look at verses 21 and 22. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. What? It is he, that is God, who sits at, above the circle of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. The circle of the earth. And that's what is being described in Job chapter 26 and verse 10. He drew a circular horizon on the face of the waters at the boundary of light and darkness. When you look out over an extensive lake, or if you come to the shore of one of the oceans and you look out, you can only see so far, can't you? And then, over the horizon, the waters disappear. Why is that? Or why is it that when you're at that point in the day when the sun is going down, as we think of it, you see the light so far and then there's darkness, or maybe there's darkness so far, and then way off in the horizon you see still light off in the distance. Well, why is that? Because the earth is round. Just as the prophet Isaiah wrote, it is a circle. But now, that was not the common belief for thousands of years after this was written. How did the writer of Job, such an ancient manuscript, and the writer, the prophet Isaiah, how in the world, and that was another very ancient writing, how did they know that the earth was round when basically all of humanity thought it was flat? You remember the story of Christopher Columbus and his exploration to the new world, and how when he took his ships out across the Atlantic Ocean, the thinking of the people at that time was, you travel so far, you're going to fall off the edge because the earth is flat. But it is not. It is round. But the common thinking of mankind for thousands of years after these books were written was, the earth is flat, flat, but right there in Scripture. How did those ancient writers know? How did they have such knowledge? 
God because they were writing God's word. Interesting, isn't it? In Jeremiah chapter 33, Jeremiah chapter 33, if we turn over there, we find another interesting fact just laid out in scripture for us in ancient days. Jeremiah chapter 33, we want to read verse 22. What did Jeremiah write? As the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured, so I will multiply the descendants of David, my servant, and the Levites who minister to me. God speaking there, Jeremiah just being the penman, the prophet, writing it down. Well, the stars in the universe cannot be numbered. That's correct. It's been said that we can see only about 4,000 stars in the universe with the naked eye from any point on earth. Now, you can see so much from one point, so much from another point, but only about 4,000 with the naked eye from any point on the earth. It is estimated, however, that there are, now I said estimated, understand that, that there are 25 sextillion stars in the universe. I don't even know how to write that number. But who can count them all? Estimated that there are 25 sextillion stars in the universe, but who can count them all? And there it is in Jeremiah chapter 23, or 33, and verse 22, the host of heaven cannot be numbered, nor the sand of the sea measured. <laughs> Ever try to measure the grains of sand? on just, say, one square foot of a beach? Pretty much impossible, isn't it? And all that information right there in God's Word. How did those writers know those facts and write them down when all of humanity was thinking something different, basically? God. They were writing God's word through his guidance by inspiration. We'll look a little bit further next time. Let's pray. Father in heaven, you are the awesome God, worthy of all honor and praise and glory. Thank you for giving us your word to guide us. Help us to open our eyes to see its truth and to open our hearts to embrace it and obey it and live by it. Please forgive us, we pray, Jesus, uh, gracious Father. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen.